son became the executive pastor of a large, uh, even though he retired, he became the executive pastor of a large Presbyterian church in Greenville, South Carolina, helping the younger man who's the senior pastor there uh, develop and manage the ministry. And so you, you move to a new town, you get a new doctor. And the doctor says, let's do a little stress test. And he said, this doesn't not look good. And they did follow-up tests, and the doctor said, you are a, you're a dead man walking. He said, you have five coronary arteries, and four of them are over 90% blocked. And we must immediately do bypass surgery. Stents are not going to fix this. Monday comes five bypasses, and it was very successful. Very successful open-heart surgery. Open-heart surgery is traumatic, of course. Very successful. And then, suddenly, unexpectedly, he developed an infection. I believe in the pericardium, or inside, under the thorax. A very bad infection. And anybody who knows anything about heart surgery knows that that is often insurmountable. Because they have to then open again the sternum, and that the sternum disintegrates. It does not heal if the bone does not repair itself. The sternum disintegrates. And word came to me, Shelton is on life support in the intensive care unit for weeks. This February. This February. Extremely painful. Extremely frightening. And then he develops bronchitis. Bronchitis means you have to cough, and your chest has been crushed, and you're coughing, and every time you cough, it's searing, <laughs> excruciating pain, and you're on life support. And the doctor said, we thought we were going to lose you, not once, not twice, several times. And I spoke to Shelton.
slide as well. There's two more sections. Uh, so we're, we're going to ask you, if you're going to be here in the morning, please read through the notes of the section on opposition tonight, because in the morning we'll talk about victory. And uh, But opposition is very much a part of living in a fallen world. And we have enemies who do want to do everything they can to bring us down. And in the notes I talk about the three great enemies of the Christian world, the flesh and the devil. And the tremendous battle that we're involved in. So that's that's session three of your notes, and you can read through that, because I'll refer briefly to them in the morning. I know some of you, too, are going back and won't be here in the morning, but the notes on the fourth lesson, which deal with victory, are, are in your the notes that I've given you here. Suffering is very much a part of living in a fallen world, and you don't have to go very far, and you don't have to live very long to find out the truth of that. When I first went into the ministry, my pastor, I was, I was in business uh, in Macon, Georgia, and since uh, God's call in ministry under a pastor who was one of my spiritual fathers, and when I met with him, when I was about to go to seminary, he said, children, don't ever forget this. On every pew, there is a hurt. doing this for over 40 years, and I'm going to tell you something. Every room, almost every seat here, there's a burden that's pain. That's the world we live in. I want to start tonight by reading from Isaiah, the 43rd chapter. God has taken me through three major, major Valley experiences. The first one was the loss of my wife nine years ago. We grew up together, went to kindergarten together, fell in love in high school, got married when we were 19, had 37 wonderful years together, and she was diagnosed with perfect health all of her life, but was diagnosed with a very serious kind of leukemia called AML. Went through 13 months of major treatment, including an oncologist stem cell transplant, but God chose to take her home. It was painful. Right after Mary Ann and I got married, God greatly blessed me. I never thought I'd get married again, but God put Mary Ann in my life, and immediately
he said, uh, I had him run all these tests, MRIs, everything. And he said, Sheldon, we proved out everything. You're depressed. And I said, Cliff, I'm not depressed. I'm, I'm, I'm a preacher. I counsel depressed people. I'm not depressed. So he said, well, I want you to get, yes, you are, but I want you to go to a council. So I went to a council of leading Christian counselors in our area who also happened to be in our church. And the first time Mary Ann and I went to it, because Mary Ann knew my life, things were falling to pieces because it, it, it got worse and worse. I went through a time even of, of deep paranoia. I thought Mary Ann was, uh, had cameras in the house. Now, I'm serious about it. I thought she had cameras in the house. I lived in fear. I, I'd look out the windows thinking that the, the policemen were going to come and haul, haul me off somewhere. I mean, it was awful, awful. So I go to this counselor. He says, you have eight out of the nine uh, characteristics of, of a major depression. You're depressed. I said, Terry, I'm not depressed. I'm a preacher. I counsel depressed people. Said, no, you're depressed. I want you on medication. I said, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm not taking medication. He said, Yes, you are. I picked up the phone, called my doctor. We stopped by, picked up her prescription. And I told Mary Ann I was taking it, but I wasn't. I was blushing. I got worse and worse. And finally, Mary Ann and my daughter, who is a nurse, arranged for me to see a neurologist. I go to this neurologist. First thing he says to me is, Yes, you're depressed. I listened. And I started treatment for that depression at that point. I was out of the ministry six months. Nobody in the church really understood what I was going through. I've been there all those years, 25 years. Pastor, love those people, been there, believe involved denominationally, involved in the world mission all over the world. But my whole life collapsed. Six months, uh, after, after six months out of the ministry, it was through medication uh, that medication and helping me deal with some of the stressors in my life, uh, the doctor prescribed me another medication to boost what he was giving me, and I took one of those pills, and the next morning I woke up and said, I'm well, and I was. God healed me. Little did I know that my elders on every Monday night were meeting, and they were on their knees, and they were praying for me. And I know the medication, God used the medication, God used the therapist, but there were people, men, on their knees in prayer along with all my family, for God to heal. And he did. It was a horrible time in my life. And what Marianne went through, you can imagine being a newlywed, what she went through was horrific. Then there's a heart surgery. It was close. struggle with marital problems. We had 
touched me because of that second verse. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flame will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Notice the first word, when. It doesn't say it. When you pass through those waters, here is the promise. I will be with you. Even when it looks like you're going to drown, God says, I will be with you. When it looks like the flame is going to burn you, comes back and he says, I will be with you. Because he has the power to sustain and the power to deliver. Listen to what he says. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God. The Holy One of Israel, you're safe. And I'm with you. I'm with you. And even during those times of intense suffering and pain, God constantly is there to remind us of His love and of His presence. Did you hear what Isaiah, what God said to Isaiah? In the midst of the difficulties of life, when it seems like you're drowning and the fire is going to consume you, God comes and he says, not only remember who I am, I am the Lord your God, but remember how I view you. You are
And in the midst of all of your struggles, in the midst of the pain when it looks like you can bear no more, there are those sweet words that when we come into his presence that we talked about this morning, and we can hear him say to us, what he said to the people in Isaiah's day, I love you, and I'm with you. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't need any more than that. I love you, and I'm with you. You're going to be okay. In fact, he goes on to say, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And for some of you tonight who are going through times of despair and you're going through times of pain and you're overwhelmed with life, it's my prayer tonight that you hear those beautiful words, those sweet words of God as he says to you,
you to see for a moment is that suffering of Christ on the cross is painful and as shameful and as awful as it was. Crucifixion was a horrible form of death. Yet don't get lost in that alone. Go beyond that and see the spiritual suffering of Jesus. When he who knew no sin became sin for us. And there on the cross, the very wrath, the very wrath of God was poured out upon the sins. And it was through that
Here's Paul praying this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and then move what we expect what is said next. And the fellowship of his sufferings. God, let me know you and let me know Jesus, the power of your resurrection. And Jesus, let me know and share in the fellowship of your sufferings. And Peter put it like this. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. You understand what I'm saying here? You see, when you get, when you get a biblical framework to understand the suffering in your life, you're going to see that God uses that suffering in your life to show you the death of the Son, of the Son, and to allow you in just a very minuscule way to experience some of what Jesus experienced, and to draw you in
some people who, when they go through these deep times of pain in their lives, they either run from God or they flee under his wings for refuge. It's also amazing how suffering and being faithful through times of suffering allows us to be effective witnesses. I didn't read all the way down in Isaiah 43, but if you read on down, you read on down in the context those verses we read, he goes on to say, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. It was interesting when Anne was first diagnosed with this. The day after it, I said to her,
that suffering comes to an end. After we've suffered a little while, God will strengthen us. One of the verses that I have used, passages that I have used more than probably any other passage encouraging people when they go through times of suffering is the passage that found, is found in 1 Peter chapter 5. And you remember the context of 1 Peter. What was it written against? It was written against severe persecution. It was the, the, the subject of it, a great amount of, of epistle is written on the subject of suffering. But listen to these verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares upon him. sober, be on the alert. Your adversary the devil prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Oh, but resist him, firming your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brothers who are in the world. And after you suffer a little while, the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself
understand some of the pain that we've been through in life. Things that make no sense. The loss of those that we love. The pain of cancer. Conflict in marriages, marriages falling to pieces, rebellious children, financial distress, loss of jobs. How do we comprehend all of that? How do we deal with all of that? Oh, if we don't get this one right, we will dissolve. God is God. And he's cut. And he always does. No. There is a future dimension. 
Moses long for the glory of God. Showing your glory, God. And God says, oh, Moses, you can't handle it. So he took him and he hit him in the cleft of the rock and covered him with his hand. And he passed by. And Moses was only able to see the hind points, right? You remember? Oh, but the day is coming. The day is coming when we will behold the glory of our Savior. And all the suffering that we've ever experienced in our lives pales to nothing compared to that which we have seen. Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples. They were distressed. They did something bad that was happening. They were struck. Receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. 